Welcome to the Faith Women Podcast. We're a community of women at Faith Baptist Church in Youngsville, North Carolina, that desires to honor the Word of God, to support our church, and to encourage each other as we know, grow, serve, and go. Through these episodes, we'll be introducing you to our ministry team, sharing truth from God's Word, and challenging you to grow in your love for the Lord and those He's called you to serve. We're so glad you've joined us. Let's dive in. I'm going to go ahead and get started because I ran out of time last night. And so... um, Thank you guys for coming. Um, I am so happy to be here. If uh, I've not met you, which many of you I don't believe I've met. Uh, My name is Amanda. I'm wife to Ryan, one of the guys on staff here at the church, and um, mom to four children. Uh, My oldest son is 19. Next uh, is a son who is 17, a daughter that's 15, and we have a nine-year-old son that is about to hit double digits in less than a week, and he is stoked about it because he's tired of being the baby at our house, right? Um, and then we have a puppy. <laughs> Not a kid, but it certainly feels like one sometimes. I feel like God has a sense of humor in um, leading this little session. I think I had forgotten what it's like to not get a good night's sleep or a whole night's sleep. And so for you young moms, I'm feeling you. Um, (laughs) We got a puppy in January and setting that clock through the night of like, what in the world? I forgot what it's like. It's a real thing to be sleep deprived. So kudos to you moms. Hang in there. A different time is coming. A different season is coming. Um, So if you haven't already, I have... Sticky notes up here, and I just want everybody to put the ages of their kids. I think most of you have done that. Uh, We're going to divide up in groups later, and this is a much smaller group today, so it may be that just one or two groups. But what I want us to do at the end of today is to divide up into groups of moms in different seasons, in different stages, because I feel like there's so much that we can learn from each other and glean from each other. There's a lot of encouragement that we can give to each other. And so I want to create a space for that before we leave today. So that's why I wanted you to put the ages. Um, So Uh please don't get in all the twos and fours together and all the fifteens together. I want us to mix it up um, at the end. Um, It's a privilege to share this space with you. It really is. But I have to confess, when I received the invitation to lead this breakout session, I'm pretty sure my reaction was first a hard laugh, then an ugly cry, and a firm no way. I am in the trenches with you, very much in the trenches of parenting. And so... um, I don't have all the answers, but I'm here because after my firm no way, the Spirit of God so gently whispered to me, Amanda, it's not about your parenting, it's not about your kids, but it's about me. It's about my provision, it's about my watch care, Um, it's about my good gifts to you that I've given you to steward, and so I'm here. Open hands, here we are. So, um, having said that, can I pray? All right, Father, just come before you today, Lord. I thank you for each woman who is in this room, um, who's come this weekend to be encouraged, I hope, 
and uh, to be affirmed. I pray that you would do just that in this time. Lord, I pray you'd put a guard over my mouth that I would not say anything that would not be from you. Um, I pray that you would instruct us, instruct our hearts. Father, I pray for our children. Lord, that you would raise up a generation of warriors for Christ. And Lord, that you would give us a front row seat to the amazing work that you're doing in our kids. We bring them to you today. Um, they're yours. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I firmly believe that. They don't belong to us. Um, they're his. So what even is missional parenting? When I got the call to do this, I said, um, parenting like... <laughs> We could go lots of ways with this. Um, it's an adventure. Yes, it's all the things. She said, she wants you to do missional parenting. I was like, okay, um, what do you mean by missional parenting? And so um, I had my ideas of what I thought that meant, but I just wanted to make sure we're all on the same page, and I, th I think we were. Um, and so for me, missional parenting is twofold. Um, it's presenting the gospel to your family in your home, Right? Because we're all born sinners. And so our kids need the gospel um, to transform their lives. And so it's presenting it in your home, and then it's taking it out of your home and training your children to be others-focused, training them to be kingdom-focused. And we're going to spend the majority of the time on the first part today, the in-your-home part, because I think the other flows naturally or it should, once we start with that in-the-home part, right? Um, and I hope that we can share some practical ideas with each other, um, like I said, towards the end of the session. So, I have a little assignment for you. Did I mention I have a teaching background? Let's do the little assignments. It's so funny. Um, I have an assignment for you. I want you to think for just a minute, um, what is your mission in parenting? What has it been? to this point in your life, and as of today, what would you say your actual mission in parenting is? I just want you to write it down. I don't want you to say it out loud. I just want you to actually write it down. I'm gonna set my little timer, and I'm gonna give you a space to do that. And I'm not gonna ask you to read it out loud. I'm not going to ask you to share it at all. The second part of that question? Just what is your mission in parenting? To this point in your life, what, is, what has been your mission or what is your mission in parenting? What's your purpose?
almost done, close to being done. Like I said, I'm not going to ask you to share it, but, I, but sometimes it's good to just write something down, isn't it? To look back at, to change over the years, because it's going to change. Some of it's going to change over the years, right? So it's just good to, to start there if you haven't already. Some of you may have done that years ago before you even had kids. Kudos to you. I did not write it down before I had kids. I will just say that. But some of you did, and that's amazing. Um, if you had asked me that question 18 years ago, or maybe even one year ago, I would have spouted out the answer. My mission in parenting is for my kids to love, like really love Jesus. And for them to just love each other. And to just love other people. Like that would have been it, just in a nutshell. That's my mission. Um, that's my desire. But it's a bit tricky, is it not? I don't get to decide. I do not get to decide if they love Jesus. I do not get to decide if they love each other or what they love. I don't get to make that choice for them, do I? So this past fall, our family had a lot of big changes, um, a lot. One of those changes was the launching of our first son to college. We sent him out and it may or may not have rocked this mama's world more than I was willing to admit. Yes, it rocked my world. Um, another big change for my family was a very necessary change. Um, we had to reprioritize some things in our home and one of those required me to come home, which I'm so thankful for, from um, a job in administration at a school that I had been at for several years. Um, but we came to the realization that we had to just reprioritize and restructure some things in our home. And so, by God's grace, I came home. I found myself with more time on my hands than I had had in many, many years. Um, and I quit a job, so I didn't want to go spend money, right? And so I looked on my bookshelf at home, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a, a study, a Bible study that I already have, that I already own. I pulled this Bible study off the shelf that I think somebody had given, a lady at church actually gave it to me. She says, I know you love to do Bible studies. It was years ago. And so I found this, and I thought of you. I, it's just been sitting on my shelf. But it was free, <laughs> and I needed free, okay? So I called a friend for accountability. Actually, she showed up at my door one day and said, hey, I'm just here to encourage you. And so we started this study that had been sitting on my shelf for years. And there was something that this study asked you to do every single day. And that was to begin on your face. Not just on your knees, um, not just begin in prayer but to begin on your face. And can I say that though I have laid prostrate before the Lord before, I've never done it consistently, daily, for months. I highly recommend it. It's the best thing that could have happened to me and for my family. To practice surrender in such a tangible way 
was medicine for my soul and it was medicine for my family. And I prayed with open hands. I prayed fervently for my children. I think I learned to pray for them in a way that previously I had not done. And my yes was on the table. And my mission statement in parenting began to shift. I had a God-revised mission statement for my parenting that was stripped down to surrender and trust and authenticity, vulnerability, really raw vulnerability. And my mission in parenting became to abide in Christ in such a way that my people see the undeniable transforming power of the Holy Spirit on display in me. So much so that His existence and His grace and His goodness are on, on display and undeniable for my kids to see. And dare I say that if we really trust God, our mission in parenting is less focused on the product that they become, and it's more focused on the process. God was teaching me to focus a little more on the process. It's liberating. It's freeing. It really is. And since day one of receiving this assignment to be here, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, um, has been ringing in my brain. Jesus says, come to me. And I'll add, maybe flat on your face. In Psalm 3, he will be the lifter of your head. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I am not here to diminish the hard work of parenting. I know it's exhausting But I'm asking you to consider this. Trust his yoke over your checklist. Choose his yoke when the overwhelm of parenting hits hard. Choose his yoke when the comparison game starts and you open up Instagram and you see that Betty Crocker over there did this amazing thing on Easter with her kids to show the gospel in such a tangible way. Put your phone down. Just put it down. And choose his yoke over your dreamed up version of the perfect parent that you are not and the perfect child that you do not have and the perfect product that you have conjured up in your head. Lay it down. Trust him for the end. Okay. They are his. 
And in the trusting, do not negate. These are the words of my dear friend. Do not negate God's sovereignty and your desires for your kids or in the messes you make or in the messes they find themselves in. Do not negate his sovereignty. It's a long view. It's a long view. Now, I could stop right there. (laughs) I really could. But I know you guys came for some tangibles. Probably you're like, give me something to put in my pocket. But that's the framework. Open hands, surrendered heart. That's the framework. Does it mean that we just sit back and um, rest in Jesus? (laughs) Because we don't have any control anyway. Is that what this means? No, the finished work of the cross is done, but there's work to be done here. There's a whole lot of teaching and a whole lot of training your kids need from you. And so I'm not saying sit back on your laurels, right? I'm saying trust Him and then do the work that He's called you to do in His strength and in His power. And so let's get practical for a minute. (laughs) I think one thing I realized too when my, uh, our oldest son left home for college, or before he left home, about six months before, I really started getting <gasps> this panic, you know, that came over me. And what I realized is I had not made part of my practical mission in parenting to work myself out of a job. Like, that's what our, <laughs> that's what our mission should be, people. Like, we're working ourselves out of a job. And I had not embraced that, I will say. I'm embracing it much more now. It's, it's amazing. It's wonderful. And so I want to talk to us about what it looks like to work ourselves out of a job. And um, I, I think that kids develop in stages. Uh, I think it's science, science proves it. And if you've ever had kids at multiple ages, you see it. You see the stages of development. And so um, practically speaking, I want to address those stages and to just paint, paint a picture or two, um, our youngest son plays flag football. And the, in the youngest division of flag football, they're out there just running around. And all the coaches are on the field. And not only are they on the field, like there's one right beside the quarterback. And there's one over by the receiver. And then when they throw the ball or hand the ball, I don't really throw it in the youngest division, the, the receiver starts running. And guess what that coach is doing? He's running right beside the receiver. It's the cutest thing ever, right? And then as they progress through these divisions of flag football, the coach in the next division, the coach is on the field still, but he has to stay in a certain area. He can't cross this line, right? But he's still out there on the field. And then... As they progress and they get older, guess where the coach goes? He's on the sidelines. And so what does it look like for us to work our way in parenting to the sidelines, all the while pointing them to the gospel? What does that look like? Um, Another illustration to kind of go with the way that I broke this down for today is, imagine you have a toddler and you're outside at the park or in your yard or whatever, And you see a snake. Who knows if it's poisonous or not. What are you going to do with your toddler? You're going to pick them up and run, probably. I don't know. If you're like my mom, you're going to 
set them down and go get a shovel and kill it yep. real quick. And I'm like, Mom, oh my goodness. But no, with a toddler, you're going to rescue them. You're going to protect them. You're going to pick them up because they don't know any better. And they can't move fast enough, right? Um, but if you have a 10-year-old son, like I've had a couple of, instead of running and picking up my 10-year-old, would that just be weird or what? I'm sure all of my sons would be like, Mom, what is wrong with you? You're not going to go run and pick up your 10-year-old son. You're going to say, hey, bud, I think I see a snake. It might be poisonous. How are we going to kill this thing? And you're going to work together, maybe go get a shovel or a gun or something, and get after it, right? And then when you have a 16-year-old son, you're going to say, hey, bud, there's a snake out there. Would you just go take care of that for me? <laughs> Praise the Lord for teenage boys. I mean, seriously. And so I want us to think about our parenting kind of in those terms, right? When they're younger, I called it the protect stage of parenting. Um, And then as they grow, we're moving into that prepare stage of parenting. And then as they get in those teen years, we're in that propel stage. We're propelling them forward and empowering them in the gifts God's given them. And so I want us to kind of think through that today in in these stages. That first stage, the protect stage, um, children need boundaries. This is where I think about my little puppy. He's not a kid. I know. I know he's not a kid. I'm not one of those people. (sighs) But when we brought him home in January, people... mm, he's part poodle and people were like oh he'll be easy to potty train whatever I had to tether this dog to my leg and I'm literally walking her around my kitchen with a dog like tethered to me like everywhere I go every step I make and that's how we need to be with our toddlers they need oh and also we we had to shrink his face so much like I started I was like okay we can do this we're gonna keep him in one room no no He's in the crate, or we like literally, I borrowed all these things from people, and like he was down to a space like this big. And I know it's a dog, but it's the same way with our kids when they're little. They need strong boundaries, and they need us to put those in place for them. And then we move the gate, right? We move it, and we widen it as they grow. So in that protect stage, if you have small children, they need, they need boundaries, the other thing that we know about small children, and they say this, they say this is up to about age 11. I think our culture, I don't know, things have changed. I think it's more about to birth to age 8 or so. They're sponges, and they mimic and mirror everything. They have the ability to retain more information in that time in their life than any other time. Like, they can learn and absorb more than we can, right? And so we want to capitalize on that. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9 says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and it shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. When your kids are small, it's the time to just pour all that, those Bible stories, pour them in. It's the time for all that. Healthy habits, this is the time to kind of establish routine. Kids thrive on routine. Don't rely on your church. 
And don't wait on your husband to do this because he's supposed to be the spiritual leader in your home. Too often we wring our hands because we have this picture of what it looks like for our husbands to be the spiritual leaders. And so we sit back and we wait and we grow bitter and we blame our husbands because we're not having family devotions every night. If you have a husband who's doing all the things, praise God. If not, and he's out playing with the kids, praise God, right? But here's the deal. Most likely, you're the one who spends more time with your children, right? Don't squander that influence. Don't wait around for somebody else. Don't squander it. This is the time to give them lots and lots of things to soak up, the right things to soak up. And I, I hate to even say it. I'm guilty of this right here, but don't put them in front of a screen, a television, a phone, or whatever for more hours than you're giving them the right things, right? Like this is your time. This is your time to have a captive audience. They're captive to that phone just like we are, right? Why don't you take, take them captive by what you teach them? instead. Um, and, and it's a time where we get to, um, there's a lot of repetition, right? And really, this is probably the most control you'll ever have in your kid's life. So if you're a control freak, enjoy it, because it doesn't <laughs> last long, right? It doesn't last long at all. Um, but it's also a time, like, where, where does the gospel fit into this? I know, like, I feel like there's this this trend in talking about applying the gospel to everything. The gospel, the God. It, it's what we should have been doing all along, but it's almost like become this buzzword. But what does it look like to apply the gospel when your kids are small and you're just teaching them the stories? Um, what does that look like? And I would say, um, I don't know if you have more than one child, you have siblings. One offends the other. They knock them upside the head. They take their toy. They whatever. You, you discipline in the moment, but then you come back later and you say, hey, you know when that happened? I want to tell you something. You know how we talked about Jesus dying on the cross? That's, that right there is why he died. Because we are deficient. We need him. We need his grace, right? So you use those everyday life experiences to point them back to their need for a Savior. Um, they get this fairly early. I mean, I remember... I don't know how old they were. Probably my two oldest were, I don't know, six and eight, five and seven, something like that. And um, my second son had gotten in trouble and he was going to get a spanking. Please don't judge me if you don't do that. But um, in our home, we we spanked our kids. Um, He was going to get a spanking for something he did. And so I'd taken him to the back, to the bedroom, you know, talking to him. And then come through the door, my, my oldest son just comes busting. He's like, Mom, stop! And I'm like, oh, no, he did it, not him. Like, I thought I was about to get the truth, right? Like, he's the one. He's like, no, stop. He's like, Mom, spank me instead. And I was like, what? I said, did you do this? No, I didn't do it. But I want to be his substitute. Will you spank me instead? And I'm like, I do with this. I'm in a a conundrum. Like, okay, like I've been teaching this kid this idea of substitution, right? About how Jesus is our substitute. And he's come in and I'm like, 
oh, what do I do? And so I call him, I'm like, honey, what do I do? And, I'm like, and I think I even spanked him. I think I let the other son see what happened. And then we talked about that. And that was hard, right? Because it's not fair. And that's another thing we would teach our kids. Like, life's not fair, is it? And I remember it's saying the oldest child, bless him, he would say, <laughs> he would say to the other kids, Life's not fair. You heard mom. If it was fair, we'd all go to hell. You know, I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. All right. I guess he's really gotten, gotten that. And so it's kind of funny, you know, what they, what they capitalize on or whatever. But, but don't waste those moments. There's so many teachable moments when they're little. And it, like I said, it's the time when you have the most control, right? That control goes pretty quickly. And so in a little bit, when we, I, I had broken my questions down into these phases, and I was going to get in groups, and then da, da, da. last night that didn't go well because I ran out of time because everybody was just loving talking so much. So I'm going to wait and do the groups at the end with all the questions for, for all the different phases. So I'm going to move into, um, into the, second, the second phase, which is the prepare phase of parenting. So our kids go from being sponges. They go from... Um, Oh, I forgot to mention this. While they're sponges and while they're enthusiastic about everything and they think you are amazing, capitalize on that in your home. (laughs) Chores. Like, it's a privilege. You get to help with the laundry. You get to help with the dishes. Like, all the things. Like, capitalize. While they're eager beavers, go there. Go there. So that when they get to this next phase and they like to argue, um, you can remind them um, of a few things. So anyway, the, the second phase is kind of those middle years. I feel like it starts earlier than it used to. I would say eight, nine-ish to those, well, they call them the tweens now or whatever, to you know 12 or so. Um, but this is the, the stage where they begin to naturally transition from being sponges to starting to really make connections. They start asking deeper questions. You know, they probably asked some deeper questions earlier, but this is when it really kicks in. And um, whereas you would have told them the story of Noah's Ark in the prepare phase, the animals came two by two and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Now, you're talking about Noah's Ark in a different light, right? They're asking questions like, whoa, 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 a a boat that big? Whoa, 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 how many animals were on that boat? You know, they're just starting to kind of put things together. And what do you mean? Like, I'm sure everybody hated Noah. Like, social things are really important for those preteens, are they not? And so we, we talk about those Bible stories in a different way. Like, we're starting to make application. And um, we've got to transition the way that we see our kids at this time. You cannot, I think this is a mistake that we often make. We hold on to that protect phase way too long. I'm guilty. I'm just going to tell you. We hold on to it way too long. We have to transition. They're no longer children, but they're adults in training. They're young adults, and we need to treat them like they are. It changes the way we talk to them. It's to our advantage to change the way that we talk to them, the way that we relate to them. Um, This is when we engage in some 
really meaningful conversations, this is whenever you better start being vulnerable with your kids if you haven't been, right? Um, say you're sorry a lot, maybe not too much. But when you blow it, acknowledge that. Acknowledge your need for the gospel. That's why Christ died for your mom. Because mom struggles with this, right? And let them see the transforming power of the gospel in your life. And she said it best. What was it? She was talking about the, I don't know, that uh, diet thing in there, right? And the, the before and after. If your if you're after picture doesn't look any different from your before picture, what are your kids going to think? Honestly, it's going to be the worst thing that could possibly be for you to say something and live a different life in front of them at home. Think about it. Um, this is whenever we make personal applications with the scriptures. We're transparent. We actively listen to their questions. Get this part. Without judgment. Not even the facial expression. Like, if they come up with a ridiculous idea and you're like, where did you get that from? Uh-uh. Hold it in, Mama. Hold it together. We actively listen without judgment. Um, are you allowing them space to debate and discuss all the things? One of the scriptures that comes to mind here for me is Colossians 3.20. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Respect their thoughts. Engage with them in their thoughts. You still have a lot of influence. You still have a ton of influence. But be respectful and be kind to your kids. Um, if you're not engaging with them and doing so respectfully, someone else will engage with them. Um, if you're not spending time and being attentive to their questions, they're going to find answers elsewhere. And when their questions start coming, you want to be that first voice. You want to be the one to talk to them about sex. You want to be the one to talk to them about all the things before the world does, right? Because it's coming. It's coming. You want to beat them to the punch. Um, if you have, anybody have preteens in here? Eh. Oh, goodness gracious. Do you think they would say you're a good listener? Because that becomes really important at this stage in life. So I would say be attentive. Be a trustworthy parent. Can they trust you with their stuff? Right? Um, a couple of years ago, one of my kids, I was like, you don't have to tell me anything. And I'm like getting all huffy about it. And they're like, well, Mom, you tell everybody. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> of course, this kid had been reading my text message to my friend where I'm like, what do I do? Help. But um, are you a trustworthy parent? It matters. If you want them to tell you things, you need to be trustworthy. And so I had to say, honey, I'm so sorry. And so I now ask that child permission before I talk to my friends about their problem. I do. I say, hey, honey, I love you, but as a mom, I feel like I need some help with this. Are you okay if I tell Miss Louise what we're talking about? And you know what that child says usually? Yeah, mom, it's okay. I trust you and I trust them. I'm like, oh, well, that was easy. Wow. Um, don't take yourself so seriously. 
laugh at yourself, not at your kids. Right? Laugh with them. There's a difference. But laugh at yourself, not at your kids. And loosen your grip. Stop trying to protect them from everything. I read a book a long time ago called The Blessing of a Skinned Knee. I don't even remember the author, but it was so good. But it's just all about we bubble wrap our kids, right? Like loosen the bubble wrap. Let them have a skinned knee. Let them fall and be there to point them to the gospel when they fall, right? Um, last stage, the propel stage. This is where they don't need you. <laughs> they don't think they need you. And a lot of times they don't really necessarily want your help in articulating their ideas. They're, they're, they're pulling away, and it's a very natural thing. Don't get offended by it. Don't get your feelings hurt. I say that as I've got my feelings hurt. <laughs> it's easy to say, right? I get my feelings hurt a lot of times. I have three teenagers. Oh, my goodness. Um, but this stage is very, it's a very natural thing for them to start pulling away. And um, this is the, the teen year, like 15 to 18, or, or I would say even before 15. Um, but this is when you better be making your way to the sidelines to cheer them on, to encourage them, and to keep praying fervently for them. And hopefully they've had a front row seat to your transformation. They've had lots of years to watch you at your worst and at your best, right? Um, hopefully they've had a front row seat to that and to the ongoing sanctifying work of the gospel in your life. And now you get to have a front row seat to encourage and cheer them on and help them fight to see God's goodness. We live in a dark place, people. It is, it is dark at every turn. And they need help to fight to see the goodness of God on planet Earth. Um, I recently had a small group of 17-year-olds in my home. So I made a deal with my second son, a little small group of his friends. I don't even know how it started. I feel like one day... He missed school. He was supposed to make dinner. I don't even know. Anyway, um, I made a deal with this little group of kids. They're not kids, 17-year-olds, these young adults. Um, that every Monday night, if they would come to my house and they would cook dinner, I would buy them whatever ingredients they wanted, no matter how exotic it was. And they could mess up my kitchen. I didn't care. And I would do the dishes on Monday nights. It has been the most delightful thing I love it. I have learned so much. I have learned so much. But I asked them, I recently asked them, I said, guys, I have this assignment at church. Um, they just wanted to talk about parenting. Um, I need your help. And they just thought that was hilarious that I was asking teenagers for help on parenting. And they all kind of sat up a little taller. It was kind of cute. <laughs> um, but I said, I need your feedback. What did your parent, what did you appreciate most? about your parents' parenting or your current situation or whatever. Uh, what do you wish your parents had done more of? What do you wish your parents had done less of? If you could speak to these moms, what would you say? You know, I'm like, okay, come on. So we had this great, it was a really fun, fun conversation. And I took notes. But every single one of them said very similar things. They said, I appreciate that my parents encouraged me. 
I appreciate that my parents took the time to explain the rules, as, especially as I got older. Um, they didn't just say, because I said so all the time, as, as I got older especially. Um, they appreciated mutual trust and respect. They really liked how, one of them said, how my mom is like this really good listener. She's also like a counselor, I think. <laughs> She's had good practice. Um, they appreciated vulnerability. It meant a lot. One of them said, you know what? It really means a lot. My dad, he said, my dad is really good at this. When he blows it, when he gets angry and uh, speaks to me in a harsh tone, or when he blows it, he comes back usually the next day, and he apologizes, and it's the most sincere apology, and I really appreciate that about my dad. And the things that they they wit the thing that they wished for more the thing they wished for more of was all the same. Anybody want to guess what a seventeen year old might wish for more of from their parents over the years? I think I heard it. Time. Quality, one-on-one -on -one time. That's hard when you have four or five kids. It's really hard, but it's important, undoubtedly. They all said it. One-on-one -on -one quality time with their parents. At this stage, you want them to want to be with you, not to need you. Celebrate the day. They no longer need you, but rather they just want to hang out with you. You will have worked yourself out of a job. And so my little takeaways for this stage of parenting, I would say empower them in their decision-making. Encourage them in the gifts you see God has given them. And this last one's hard, but I really think it's important. Ask permission from them to give them advice. My mom still doesn't do that. <laughs> it's an interesting concept, but I think it goes a long way in empowering our older teens. Ask permission before you give them advice. They usually say, well, I started doing this. They always say yes. It's pretty amazing. And you know what? They listen to me more than when I just start spouting off stuff. They're like, wow, she just asked for my permission. And they listen. It's pretty amazing. Okay, I want to take a few minutes to let you guys get in groups and say, okay, what do you do at your house? How do we do this? Um, and I have a sheet of questions. It kind of takes you through the stages. And then the last little section um, is about how you do this missional thing out of your home. And we're going to come back together and, and talk a little bit. I think, how much time do I have? So I know this seems like a lot. But I want to encourage you in saying that resources abound. I have a ton of books over here that have been influential in, in our family. Um, I know podcasts abound now. But I want to caution you, if you're spending more time listening to parenting podcasts and reading parenting books than you are in the Word and abiding in Christ, then turn it down. Put the book down. Um, the most powerful tool that we have in our belt is our own transformation, right? What they see um, play out before them. Drop your list. Remember, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Parenting can be prideful and it can be shameful. 
We think so much depends on us, and if we remember our place rightly, it helps us get rid of those huge expectations that we place on our kids and that we place on ourselves. Don't heap burdens of expectation on your kids, and don't heap them on yourself. Um, Christ's love compels us. It's this natural outflow. The more we abide in Him, it's like this phenomenon that happens, right? It's a natural outflow, and that's why His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Um, If we check the boxes, guess what? Our kids learn the checkbox system and the expectations, and guess what? They don't have abundant life abiding in Him because they've learned our checkbox system. Um, we're stewards. As parents, we're stewards. They're not ours to control or produce an outcome. So fight the pride or the shame. Because we're either going to meet those expectations and be prideful, or we're not, and we're going to be ashamed of ourselves. Right? That's neither one are good. So fight it. We steward the gift God gives us in them, and we point them to Him. It's His story that He's writing with their lives. It's a marathon not a sprint. Have the long view and just remember his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Thanks for listening to the Faith Women Podcast. We hope you were both encouraged and challenged by what you heard today. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss an episode. If you're in our area, we'd love to have you join us at Faith Baptist Church in Youngsville on a Sunday or at any of our special events. You can learn more about our ministry online at faithnc.org slash women. See you next month.